Welcome to What She Said. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Well, this is it, people. We're stepping into Canada's sweetest time of year, filled with longer days, barbecues, and beaches. There's a lot to look forward to over the next few months as the pandemic moves into distant memory status and more and more of us return to normal activities. Over the next few months, I'll be sharing some sweet escapes with you, as well as interviews on staying happy and healthy during the summer months. And as always, there will be lots to keep you informed, and today is no exception. It's almost been a year since Roe v. Wade was overturned in the U.S., and in that time, Canadian women have watched in horror as our American sisters have their human rights violated. It's important we don't get too distracted south of the border, though, and pay attention to what's happening here. Megan Johnston from Abortion is Healthcare joins me to share what we need to focus on to protect our own rights. Every year, Canada's most vulnerable population leaves money they are entitled to from the government on the table. These funds can make a huge difference in their lives, which is why Food Banks Canada is helping food bank users claim refunds and benefits in partnership with KPMG. Kirsten Beardsley joins me to share how it works. Anne Brody is in with New Entertainment, and this week we look at the end of sex and a hilarious look at two people trying to spice up their marriage. Crave's comedic satirical take on Watergate with White House Plumber and Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, which is more delicious eye candy from Shondaland. When's the last time you took a picture and didn't filter it or Photoshop it? It's hard not to in a society that is constantly pushing and promoting unrealistic beauty standards. Nuovo Photography wants to change that. Founder Catherine Theoret and marketing manager Devin Hickman join me to share how their six photography studios across North America are helping women fall in love with their natural beauty. Seasonal allergies affect nearly 18% of Canadians, according to the Government of Canada, and that means there are just over 6 million people walking amongst us who may not be feeling their best. Further, for those living with asthma, seasonal allergies only intensify their symptoms. Dr. Christine Palmet joins me as part of our ongoing series with Care to Know to share information you need. Finally, Lindsay Meisner and the Seventh Mystic is a nine-piece Halifax-based soul and R&B band, featuring an eclectic group of musicians with undeniable talents and personalities. Their long-awaited debut album released April 12th, and Lindsay joins me to share a little bit about the new album before we play the song, When I Had You Baby. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now. As we approach the one-year mark since the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the U.S., the ongoing erosion of reproductive rights and health care for women in America is a cause for concern. Canadians must remain vigilant in protecting our own rights. Spoiler, they may not be as rock-solid as you think. And my next guest has been working tirelessly to inform and empower women on this issue. Megan Johnston, founder of abortionhealthcare.ca, is joining me today to shed light on the limited access to abortion services in Canada and to underscore the importance of reproductive health care as a fundamental right for all. Welcome to the show, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me. So what inspired you to start Abortion is Healthcare and how has the response been so far? Yeah, 
Um, well, me, like many, I, you know, was closely following the downturn of abortion rights in the States. And I felt like for, for years I was saying like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And everyone just brushed me off. And, you know, and then I seen all these people in my life just be completely shocked when it happened. And I was like, I've been trying to tell all of you for years that this was going to happen and no one was listening to me. I have um, to tell you, I am getting exhausted of hearing that will never happen here. Yeah, I want to scream at people when I hear that because I recently just uh, read uh, some statistics and 71.5% of conservative MPs are anti-abortion. And so to think that that could not happen here is, uh, is insane to me. It absolutely could happen here. Yeah, it could. And I think when I started pointing out to people at that point, you know, the last anti-abortion bill in Canada was 2020, February 2020. So that was not that long ago. Um, and actually, in fact, there's been 40 anti-abortion bills brought up, um, you know, at the federal level during my lifetime. So that's over 30 years or 33 years now. <laughs> um, yeah. And then last summer, um, I had like my own abortion story uh, in the fall of 2020. And since then, I just started noticing more, you know, the extraordinary amount of anti-abortion messaging that especially plagues the highways of Saskatchewan. But the more I learn, it's it's all over Canada. Um, you know, I went on a summer road trip and we just passed, there was like 13 of them in like one weekend. Uh, and I said to my friend, like, how come we just can't put up a pro-abortion billboard? And he was like, Megan, if anyone can, you can. Like, if anyone can, you can do it. Why not? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, you started putting up billboards. I, I started planning. Yeah, I started planning for sure. Uh, I started with my social media to gather some some recruits, um, which happened really quickly. And, yeah, so far we've put up two um, pro-abortion or pro-choice billboards in Saskatchewan, they say abortion is health care. Um, and that's what all of our billboards will say going forward. What are some of the biggest challenges facing women seeking abortion in Canada? Access. So in Canada, the people are right. It is, it is our legal right to access abortion in Canada. There's no laws. There's no like limitations um, like in the law. However, provincially, um, you know, governments limit our access to abortion care. Every province in our like, country does not have access to abortion. Um, many provinces have very limited access to abortion. Many provinces, it's not even like clear who does or who does not provide abortion. Sometimes it's like you have to ask the right doctor who knows the right person, who knows that this doctor does it on Wednesdays. Um, you know, even in Saskatchewan, we have two centers that perform surgical abortions. They have different rules to access them and different lengths of time that, um, you know, abortion, they'll provide the service for. Um, when in reality, um, even surgical abortion is a quick, you know, fairly painless five-minute procedure that can be performed in many small town hospitals. Many of them already do provide, like, emergency DNCs, however, do not provide, um, like, elective abortion care, which really just talks about the fact that it's not, like, staff, it's not, you know, necessarily locations, it's, it's really just the fact that they will not do it. 
Um, even in Saskatchewan, we talked to the health minister at one point, and he was like, you can't just be cutting people open willy-nilly everywhere. So even just our health minister doesn't even understand what surgical abortion is. So just, just really, I think, and the shame and stigma that comes along with abortion. Like, I have always considered myself to be, like, vehemently pro-choice since I was in high school and had a friend you know, that had multiple abortions. And for me, it was like a no brainer. Um, but even being, you know, 30 and a professional and a single mom, it was a very difficult choice for me to choose abortion, even though it was like very obviously the right choice for lots of people. Um, and that I just felt like I couldn't talk about it after because I chose abortion. And so that I never got to talk about it. And like, I just don't feel like that's, that's fair to people. One out of three or four, you know, People with uteruses access abortion care in their lifetime. Um, and so you probably know someone, I know someone, you know, it affects everyone um, in some way, our, our partners or our family members. And just, I feel like we should be able to talk about it as openly as we do a pregnancy or a miscarriage. I think it's interesting as you're sp speaking about that, you know, I, I think of it like alcohol, that conversation used to be, oh, you're an alcoholic, there was a lot of shame attached to it. But now we're very openly having these conversations about alcohol, and it should be the same thing for abortion. Uh, but how do we shake off that stigma that comes attached to it? Just like, you know, in previous conversations, we had about other things that we may have deemed taboo in society. Yeah, for me, the first thing I noticed even personally was how difficult it became to even say the word abortion after I had an abortion. I referred to it as pregnancy termination for like a year. Um, and so when I first started seeing people use the term like pro-abortion and how uncom like physically uncomfortable that made me, even though I am in favor of abortion. So I think the biggest part of it um, is us using the word abortion and saying the word abortion out loud until it doesn't make us cringe anymore. Um, and so, yeah, that is part of why I chose like abortion is healthcare instead of I'm pro-choice or our nonprofit is pro-choice because I just really want that word um, out there and I want people to, to see it and I want people to say like, yeah, someone got the healthcare they needed because of abortion and that's awesome. So you've recently been featured on the abortion podcast. Can you tell me what listeners can expect when they tune in to hear you? Yes. The Abortion Podcast is a Canadian-based podcast with a Toronto-based artist. Her name is Rachel Cairns. Um, and so she focuses, it's called, yes, just Abortion Podcast. Um, and so the first season, she tells kind of her abortion story with all this integration of like facts, scientific facts, political facts, economical facts, and she does such a great job. Um, so yeah, she asked me to be on season two, which I tell my personal abortion story, um, as well as like why I started uh, Abortion as Healthcare Signs and what we'd accomplished so far at that point. Um, and yeah, so she is interviewing a bunch of other really awesome people that are doing things across Canada as well. So the podcast was really informative to me. I learned a lot. So you're, you are making waves, though. I just want to make this point because in November, abortionist healthcare made international news and inspired change in the Saskatchewan Legislative Building. Can you tell me what that was about? Yeah, actually, it was just like a weird turn of fate and not something that was planned at all. So I won't take like 
too much, you know. Um, so yeah, we had a rally on November 9th, which was the day they announced um, the Roe v. Wade overturn, or the day after, um, to a pro-abortion or pro-choice rally to fight for increased access to abortion care in Saskatchewan. Following the rally, um, I had a shirt on from a Planned Parenthood fundraiser that said, abortion is healthcare. Um, and in trying to enter session, like we were a pre-registered invited guest by the NDP party of Saskatchewan um, to watch them bring up, you know, our, our petition and our ask. Um, and I got stopped by security because of my shirt and I was made to change my shirt or I would not be allowed to enter because it said, quote, that word. Um, I was escorted to the bathroom by security to make sure that, yes, I had indeed turned my shirt inside out and backwards. So it wasn't, you know, I couldn't just flip it around easily. Um, and then after we sat through session, this was kind of slowly going through my brain, like, did they actually do that to me? And, you know, if this shirt said, colonoscopy is healthcare or knee surgery is healthcare, like, would that have happened? And what is it about the word abortion? Like, it should not be a shameful word that really plays back to what I was talking about earlier. Um, and yeah, after that, you know, they did sit down like the two parties and decide that um, to make up some more clear rules about what is and isn't allowed because, you know, we've seen people with I love oil and gas shirts and every child matters t-shirt. Those are all political, you know, things. Um, so that was really exciting that, you know, people now will be able to wear clothing that says abortion on it in session if, if they want to. Um, but to me, it, it was really nice to see even the SAS party agree that that was something that needed to change. What can people expect then from you next? Uh, and where can they keep up with you? Uh, you're everywhere. I've seen you on TikTok and, uh, you know, your website. So where can people, where's the best place for them to keep up with you? Yeah, the best place is on Instagram um, and TikTok. And it's yeah, abortion um, healthcare CA or uh, abortion signs CA, our username. Um, and what's next is, yeah, our board of directors very recently decided to incorporate as a national nonprofit instead of just a Saskatchewan nonprofit. So over the coming weeks, we'll be onboarding volunteers from all the other provinces um, across the country so they can start fundraising and planning um, locations to put up abortionist healthcare billboards like across Canada, which is really scary and crazy and exciting. Um, because it'll, it'll definitely be like an influx of attention um, on us, good and bad. All right. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for all that you do. This is a really important conversation that we have to keep going. So I'm sure we'll have you back in the future. In the meantime, best of luck with everything, Megan. Uh, it's been a delight to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me. More of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up. CareToKnow.ca is a free resource where Canadians receive the latest health information, updates on new and existing treatments, and advice from Canadian doctors via email. After enrolling at CareToKnow.ca, you'll receive accurate and reliable information from trusted Canadian medical experts delivered directly to your inbox. 
Members can also access the website for information on a variety of health-related topics through resources like vodcasts, podcasts, and live webinars. Canadian experts discuss how to manage a number of medical conditions and provide the latest knowledge and advice to help you make informed decisions about your family's health with your own healthcare provider. To sign up and start learning more about the health matters that impact you most, enroll in caretoknow.ca today. And now, back to Candace Sampson and what she said. As we approach the May 1st tax deadline, it's essential to ensure that all Canadians, particularly those living on low incomes, receive the benefits they're entitled to. Today, I'm joined by Kirsten Beardsley from Food Banks Canada to discuss their vital work in helping food bank users claim refunds and benefits. We'll explore how their in-person and virtual clinics make a difference and the challenges faced by Canadians who often miss out on these important tax benefits. So let's dive into this important conversation and learn how we can support our fellow Canadians during tax season. Welcome back, Kirsten. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit of how you are helping Canadians right now receive those refunds and benefits. Right. So um, we work with KPMG. So Food Banks Canada works with KPMG to offer tax clinics through food banks to to food bank clients. And we know um, that a lot of food banks offer these community-based programs so that people who are having to access the food bank have, as you said, access to the returns or the benefits that they're entitled to um, and might mean the difference between needing the food bank and not needing the food bank. There's a lot of money being left on the table every year because people don't understand their taxes. And I have to tell you, I'm surprised to hear that you do this. I had I didn't know you did. So how many years have you been doing this? So we've partnered with KPMG for a few years now. Um, we're able to um, scale the program. So we're now seeing it at multiple locations. We've doubled the number since last year. So 4,500 tax returns were done through our program this year, um, or sorry, last year. And that's $18 million, just over $18 million that was returned to the pockets of people um, who are low income. And as I said, you know, this, the, these are benefits that folks are entitled to and they're leaving on the ta- table, you know. And these are, um, you know, these are amounts that could mean the difference between um, going to the food bank or not and, and make a, like a material difference for folks. And, you know, it's just an, a matter of being... Um, you know, knowing about the programs, a lot of people don't know that they're entitled to benefits. And a lot of people don't know where to even start if you haven't filed your taxes or haven't done it in a while. Um, So it takes a community based program to help people along that journey. So tell me then how it does work. How can people get involved at the in person and the virtual clinics? So um, they would go to their food bank um, and um, and work with a participating food bank. So the first stop is to check with your local food bank. You can also go to the Canada Revenue Agency. There is they do run a program of community based tax clinics that that's you know, that's what food banks do. But a number of other community organizations do to find a community based organization where they are. And we're going to continue to work with KPMG to scale these because we're seeing the impact 
impact um, in communities across the country. So, you know, we're, we're um, only going to see these grow to more communities given how much success we've had. I don't know if you have any data to support this or, you know, uh, if it would be anecdotal, but, you know, uh, what groups of Canadians are most likely to miss out on those tax benefits? Yeah, we know that there are lots of barriers, um, you know, social barriers and just sort of time, um, you know, complexity barriers to people filing their taxes. And unfortunately, it tends to be the people who are most in need who have the most barriers to filing their taxes. So we see a lot of intersection with people who use food banks, people with um, mental health issues, uh, people who are racialized and might have, um, you know, a different experience of government are going to be a bit more skeptical of engaging in the tax process, which is why it's so critical that these are done at a community level and with, with community organizations that have done the work to build some of that trust with folks. Because at the end of the day, um, people, you know, these are programs that the government has put in place because people need this this money. And so they should be able to access those funds. And where is Food Banks Canada at right now in terms of demand for food? Is that does that continue to rise? Are you think, seeing things slow down a little bit? No. So what we're seeing, and this is why this program is so important um, this year more than ever, we're seeing the need continue to rise. So we've got these existing systemic issues, which has, have always sort of driven food bank use and kept food bank use high. But then you layer on the cost of living crisis, so the cost of housing and food, and more people aren't able to just make it all, make ends meet. And so we're seeing, you know, we're, you know, I think the last time I was here, I was saying food bank use was the highest it's ever been. It's higher than that now. It really, truly is a crisis. And one of the things we're seeing is folks who are employed um, turning to the food bank. So that's always been sort of a steady number, but we're seeing that number rise significantly. And so these are people who have employment income. And again, just because of the costs of everything that they have to support, they're not able to make ends meet, which makes any, any dollar count, right? Every dollar when you're on the edge matters. And so these benefits are um, just so critical to folks. I think this is absolutely incredible that you do this. I'm so delighted that you you came on the show to share this information with people. How can they get involved? And I just, I do want to note that this is going to air, it'll start airing on the 29th. So we're really close to that May 1st deadline. So can people still access it after May 1st? Yes. Yeah, so again, the best thing to do is contact your local uh, food bank, start there, um, and, and they'll, they'll be able to help point you in the right direction. Um, and then it's good to note that for folks who are receiving returns, um, they can file their taxes anytime throughout the year. We like to keep on the cycle. We want to build sort of the, the muscle around doing it regularly within the tax season and getting folks used to filing their taxes regularly. So we try to keep it within that tax window. Um, but if you're going to be getting um, getting a return or getting access to those benefits, you can actually file your taxes anytime. And I want to just share a really um, cool anecdote. So one of the participants in one of the local programs hadn't filed their taxes for um, 10 years and received $14,000 in unclaimed benefits, which wow. is a life-changing amount, right? For someone who is, you know, scraping by, barely able to make rent, that that's the difference between, you know, being able to sort of 
lower stress, have money to pay rent for, you know, for the coming months, have money to buy food for themselves. So that's the kind of life changing, you know, not everyone sees that amount. Um, but even if it's a few hundred dollars a month, that makes a difference for for many folks. Absolutely incredible. I thank you so much for sharing that story. That's very heartwarming. Uh, so Kirsten, is it foodbankscanada.ca? Yeah, folks can go to foodbankscanada.ca to find their local food bank. Um, and then, as I said, we'll, we're going to partner with KPMG to make sure this program continues to grow. Um, and we're also aware that they're in community organizations across the country, folks can um, find some support. Incredible. All right. Thanks so much for joining me today, Kirsten. Thank you. It's time for Saturday Night at the Movies with Anne Brody and... I'm sorry, I'm laughing about the first title we're going to talk about here, The End of Sex. Tell me what that's about, Anne. Well, it's it's just what you think it is in, in a marriage. Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek has done just an incredible variety of work since the series ended, and I think it's re-upping. But this is really fun. It's a funny one. So she plays a wife who's dissatisfied with her sex life with her husband. They've kind of lost it, you know. So they think of, uh, while the kids are away at winter camp, they're going to um, have a staycation where they don't have to shut the doors. They They can do it wherever they want, blah, blah, blah. Well, it doesn't quite turn out that way. So they resort to other measures and they discuss why it's not working. Is it patriarchal society repressing sexual desire? Uh, so they, they try threesome, not so hot. They go to a sex club and oh my God, what they discover there is quite insane. It's very cute and it's warm and it, it looks at all sorts of um, ouchy issues with with grace you know and it's uh it it's very amusing colin mockery is in it and his part it's just worth watching just to see him alone colin mockery is he's such a delight Uh, he cracks me up he's a he's a true canadian treasure i just love that guy um yeah i actually had the pleasure of seeing tom green the other night um in ottawa and I couldn't help but think of him and Colin Mockery on Last <gasps> on One Laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, uh, all right. Tell me about White House Plumber. This is kind of hysterical. It's a very serious chapter in American history, as you know, the Watergate break-in and the White House plumbers who allegedly fixed the leaks on behalf of Richard Nixon. They will do anything to get him reelected. And, of course, they decide to, um, a group of them, led by G. Gordon Liddy, uh, decide to break into the Democratic National Party headquarters at the Watergate Hotel, bug the place, and steal documents. Well, it takes them about eight tries to even, eight on separate occasions, they're completely inept. Um, And so Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux are Howard Hunt and G. Gordon Liddy, two really... uh, great characters that are absolutely ripe for satire and that's what this is it's pretty much as is a satirical look at what may have happened based on you know some knowledge but they're after daniel ellsberg who they call that commie 
um, he he was the one who leaked the Pentagon Papers, and they needed to keep Nixon in, despite everything, and despite the, the Vietnam War. Um, and we learned things that, that actually were in the mix. The government, Nixon, was going to have hippie leaders kidnapped and sent to Mexico for the duration of the Republican National Convention. Didn't know that. Anyway, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. It's on Crave on May 1st. I got to tell you, watching that trailer, I thought, what a bunch of bumbling idiots. How could that possibly happen? And then I think, no, actually, we have a bunch of bumbling idiots in politics today. So I I can see it. I take it back. Uh, Say one thing. Yeah. I met T. Gordon Liddy. And I got to tell you, this is so peculiar. He is one of the most charming people I've ever met. Really? So that's, I guess, how he got away with stuff. Interesting. <laughs> All right. And I want to move on to Queen Charlotte, just because Bridgerton fans are going to lose their minds knowing this is coming out. Well, you know, and it's just like Bridgerton. It's eye, it's eye candy. It's mind candy. It's anything but serious. Now, Queen Charlotte is played here at, by a young, very good uh, black actress named India Armatefo. She's tremendous. Now, she plays the German princess who was uh, basically arranged into a marriage with King George in England. Uh, she wasn't happy. Was, she, was he going to be a beast? Was he going to be a troll? Well, he was neither. He's darn good looking. And he, um, but he refuses to honeymoon with her. And uh, so it begins. So we flash forward a little bit to when she's uh, the matriarch. And she, she and George have had 13 children. Actually, 15 and, and two died. 13 children. Not one of them has produced an heir. So this becomes a bugbear. So, you know, it's it's just exactly what you might expect from Bridgerton, from Shondaland. It's uh, superficial, airy-fairy, fun, you know, great to look at. Yeah, just, you know what? Give me all of that. That's all okay. I want to look at anymore because okay. I, isn't the real world enough? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. We have to, just enough time to touch on Citadel, which is going to be a big hit, probably. It's uh, tremendous. Oh, wow. It totally changes the espionage game on film and TV. Uh, it's on Prime Video. Um, and it's got Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Stanley Tucci and Leslie Manville and one of our favorites, Richard Madden. So it's... Good stuff. Just trust me on that. Just get into it. It won't take much. You'll just be sucked right in. Oh, the heat between the two co-stars? Oh, oh baby. I can yeah. feel that just watching the trailer. So yeah. can't wait to see <laughs> this one. And thanks so much for joining me. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming right up. Are you looking for authentic, high-quality, and handcrafted seal fur and leather products created by Canadian Indigenous fashion designers and artists? Look no further than Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs, or Pick and D for short. Their e-commerce platform celebrates and showcases the skill and creativity of Indigenous fashion designers and artists. These innovative artists combine traditional sewing techniques with a contemporary approach to create modern and timeless accessories, footwear, clothing, and home decor products. And when you buy from Pick and D, you're not just getting a beautiful and authentic seal product, you're also supporting Indigenous communities. 
proudly Indigenous products are natural, eco-friendly, and of the highest quality. So visit ProudlyIndigenousCrafts.com today and experience the beauty of Indigenous craftsmanship. Pick and D, proudly showcasing Indigenous fashion and supporting Indigenous communities. And now, back to Candace Sampson and what she said. Are you tired of scrolling through social media and feeling the pressure to live up to an unrealistic beauty standard? Well, my next guests from Nuovo Photography have a solution. Founded by Catherine Theoret, Nuovo Photography is on a mission to showcase women's natural beauty, mental wellness, and relationships through photography. With their entirely automated experience, women can enjoy unaltered natural photo shoots that enhance their beauty within just a few hours. Joining me to share more is Catherine Theoret and Marketing Manager Devin Hickman. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you. Catherine, your work with Nuova Photography is truly inspiring. I encourage people to go over and look at this uh, when this interview is over. But can you tell us more about what motivated you to create a photography business focused on showcasing, showcasing natural beauty? Yes, I think like my background in sexology, I was really trying to like work with self-esteem, self-confidence, and I really bring like the empathy that I was having towards everyone who was in need. But after I realized it's not just a small category, I feel it's all human, like from all size and age and shape. And after like we start doing a collection with one of the best photographer of Canada, Guy Raymond. I was actually one of her guests and uh, we start a collaboration together. He's the artistic director behind all this uh amazing poses and we highlight uh everybody and um yeah we we really want to focus on bring the mindset back to what is beautiful versus what isn't beautiful i think um just because of as you mentioned in the intro um because of how society today is all about changing changing retouching retouching we want to change those thoughts to be positive you know we want that internal dialogue to be one that's telling you every morning I love how your eyes look. I love how your hair looks versus, oh, I wish I were this or that. So, so yeah, that's what we're about. It is so easy anymore to take a picture and alter how we look that I don't know that many people uh, could take just a picture now and let it go. But you don't retouch anything, right? So it's really about self-acceptance and reconnecting with your body. So if someone asks me to I retouch their scarf. I'm going to ask them why, because it's natural. It's there forever. It's amazing. Like it's on their head that they think it's not okay. Like, do you judge someone because of her arms in the street? I don't think so. So no one judge you either. And it's just in your mind, woman and men, we are a worst enemy or ego. Like if we understand that confidence start with how you feel. And um, I know as a team member um, of this wonderful uh, company that there is a lot of attention to who is hired. The process is pretty rigorous and we want to make sure that, well, especially Catherine, that's, that's one of her greatest goals is to make sure that every single person that you interact with, every woman that you come into contact with is going to be surrounding you with positivity, with encouragement. Um, 
it's it, there's just no judgment. We want you to be able to go out of your comfort zone in a way where you're completely safe and you feel just endless comfort and support. Tell me about that experience then about getting people out of their comfort zone and 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 well, or in their comfort zone, I suppose, because you want them to feel relaxed in front of the camera. So how do you do that? What does the process look like from the moment somebody walks into one of your studios? Yes, so it all started by a phone call with an amazing thing of guest consulting and they explained the process, make them uh, feel uh, confident and trust. And after when they arrive at the studio, then we can connect, undermine how they want to reconnect with their body, their insecurity. We maybe cry together and we ask them to trust us because we know what we're doing. We are professional photographer. We work with light and shadow. It's game of silhouette, exposure, brightness, highlight. We work with a lot of different process. It's a lot of artistic, eyes closed, legs up, arch the back, look down. We guide everything. They are feel so comfortable. It's uh, a 360 of them. You seem to be growing at an explosive rate as well. So how many studios do you have? So as of now, we have six studios. So we have our Canadian studios. We have Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver. And then we have Miami, Dallas, and we're opening Houston soon. And so what's pretty cool about this is that from a marketing perspective, a lot of our marketing has been organic, which is pretty much the best compliment you can get as an industry, because it means that not only did someone enjoy their experience and feel the transformation, but they think it's powerful enough where they want to recommend it to every woman they know. I mean, I know when I first did it, my mom was on the phone with me. My grandma was on the phone with me. I was telling every woman I know, you know, this is this is important. This is important for women. Um, and this is something that I mean, I feel like as much as you can hear about it, experiencing it is just the next level. And I think it's very telling that you're having this growth in a world where filters and Photoshop are so accessible that people are running to you for for natural photography of themselves. Yeah, to reconnect with who you are, it's really important, the natural of you, so it our picture are really timeless. You have nothing fashionable like piece of clothes or lingerie. It's really just you with a black background and a touch of red. Really dramatic and amazing. Have there been any um, success stories that you know you you could share of people just uh, overwhelmed with their experience? Yeah, have many, many of them. Uh, it's hard. Yeah, there's so many. There's, you know, you think about about 18 different people come to mind. Um, but yeah. For me, they, they just start really like when they they start in tears about uh, we see in their mind, they really now believe that it's true that they are beautiful or like they really they're going to wear a bikini again and they're going to be proud of them and their children, like they call back and they say, oh my God, that's my job. They all see how happy I am now. Like all the good feedback, like I think over the years, we now have over 50,000 uh, human that we take in uh, and uh, everyone is just a different story. I have so many in mind, but details will give to confidentiality yeah. that... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and and there's really no one size fits all for for the experience. So our photographers are trained to meet the women and really understand what they need us to be. Do they need us to be their cheerleader or do they need us to be someone to really listen? Um, and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool that that it's designed in a way where it's meant for every woman of every walk of life. And the retouching, as you said before, I think that we do add, we add, a, we take away the background, of course, you know, if there's a foot in the frame or if there's a fan. Um, but yeah, but we really just enhance their natural beauty. So we just add highlights, lowlights, but we, we want them to see it as them. Um, just, you know, them feeling beautiful and confident. Well, I love it. You're building an army so far, 50,000 strong uh, confident women walking around North America. Way to go, ladies. Uh, so if people want to book with you and connect, where's the best place to do that? So I would say if you're interested in seeing our portfolio, please visit our website, nuovophotography.com. That's N-U-O-V-O photography.com. And if you're interested in kind of seeing this this army of, of confident women, um, I'd say it's more uh, of a community on our Instagram. So our Instagram is at Nuovo Artistic Photography. Again, that's N-U-O-V-O Artistic Photography. So yeah, and we're looking forward to reconnecting with y'all. And um, and please feel free to send us a DM. We'd love to uh, tell you more about the shoot. All right, incredible. Uh, we're going to put all the links for this up when it goes live on podcast. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Candice. We really appreciate it. It's back. The runny noses, the itchy eyes, and the difficulty breathing are just a few of the things that let us know spring has definitely arrived. Seasonal allergies affect nearly 18% of Canadians, according to the Government of Canada, and that means there are just over 6 million people walking amongst us who may not be feeling their best. Further, for those living with asthma, seasonal allergies only intensify their symptoms. Dr. Christine Palme is joining me today as part of our on ongoing series with caretoknow.ca to address how we can push back on the impact of pollen and other allergens to live our best life. Welcome back, Christine. Thank you so much again, Candice, for having me. So I am feeling for people who are walking around right now, just feeling the full effect of pollen and all these other allergens floating in the air. So let's talk about how we can make life better for, for those 6 million. That's a really big number, isn't it? That's a huge number. And in fact, probably five to 10 visits in my office on a daily basis, quite wow. significant. So what are some of the most common allergens then? So, you know, I sort of talk about allergies as uh, a reaction of immune system. Our immune system is a wonderful thing, but it's not perfect. And sometimes it inappropriately reacts. So environmental triggers like grass, weeds, pollen, um, you know, hay fever, depending on the season, you know, these result in an immune cascade and, uh, you know, patients complain of cough, sneezing, itchy eyes, shortness of breath. Um, that really, really do affect quality of life. You know, these aren't insignificant. It's not just taking over-the-counter medication and go. Uh, it affects school, your ability to function, your ability to sleep, cognition. Um, so should not be underestimated. Do you think people confuse, though, allergies and asthma? Like they might have asthma, but they think it's allergies? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question. And they're certainly interconnected, but they're not necessarily causative. So asthma, in its purest definition, is chronic, lifelong inflammation of the airways. There are triggers to asthma, which are often environmental allergies. And the risk of having environmental allergies is higher if you have asthma. 
So just to complicate things further, oftentimes when people have seasonal allergies, they experience asthma-like symptoms. And in those cases, I may prescribe a short-term use of an inhaler that would be used for a classic asthma patient. But when you take away the trigger, the asthma goes away. So those patients don't necessarily have asthma in the chronic sense. You know, they experience asthmatic-like symptoms during their allergy flare. Uh, a lot of words saying that they're interrelated and they can worsen each other. Can you develop asthma at any age? I always thought it was a younger person, like it was developed in your childhood. Can you develop it later in life? You know, much like information is evolving moment to moment, absolutely. I'm having a lot of adults, uh, particularly now with an insult to the immune system, you know, with the various viruses that are flowing around, developing chronic asthma. And certainly uh, other things like um, exposure to pollution, smoking, et cetera, can increase your risk. And then you have your cohort of patients who have childhood asthma and grow out of it. So it's not static. It forever evolves. And certainly if you're having symptoms, you should speak to your primary care physician. Okay. Well, how can we protect ourselves then from triggers that affect our respiratory systems and function? Great question. So there's basic DIY things. Use a HEPA air filter uh, in your air conditioning unit, vacuum cleaners, etc., to move allergens. Avoid carpets. Avoid heavy, heavy drapes. You know, wearing a mask uh, during peak allergy season, and you're know, just paying homage to your immune system, making sure that you're sleeping, exercising, getting good nutrition. I always say that ginger uh, is my best friend. You know, making sure that you're actually feeding a healthy base for your immune system. And then managing stress, you know, stress is obviously something that is almost unmanageable now, three years into what I call the plague slash COVID, um, but really, really emphasizing that overall health will reduce inflammation and help protect against symptoms. Are there any new treatments for allergies and asthma? And, and can, how, can, how do they improve patient outcomes if there is new uh, treatments? There are absolutely new treatments. So there's not only new oral treatments against uh, allergies that are safer and come with less side effects. There are new inhalers on board as well. You know, it really is a respiratory renaissance uh, in terms of many therapeutics. But most importantly, there are new guidelines. And now the guidelines encourage primary care providers like myself to uh, you know, to strive for symptom-free control, not just better, but symptom-free control. And that's a huge call to action that encompasses not only the DIY measures that we discussed, but also the pharmacotherapy measures that are new. So please uh, reach out to your primary care providers and make sure you educate yourself. All right. Well, I feel I'm feeling for these millions of people walking around in misery. So care to know.ca has lots of information on this very topic. So where can people go to find out more? Absolutely. On the top of education, being informed is empowerment. Care to know.ca is the website. Uh, log on, subscribe. As you mentioned, it's free and it's not only free, but it's hassle free. You'll instantaneously get emails delivered to your account. And uh, Instagram handle is care to know underscore. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll see you next month where we're talking about menopause. And I don't think we have enough time for that. <laughs> Probably not, but we'll try. <laughs> More of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up. La, 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 la. And now back to Candace Sampson and What She Said. 
Lindsay Meisner and the Seventh Mystic is a nine-piece Halifax-based soul and R&B band featuring an eclectic group of musicians with undeniable talents and personalities. Their long-awaited debut album released April 12th, and Lindsay joins me now to share a little bit about the new album before we play the song When I Had You Baby for you in its entirety. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about uh, the band first, and then I'd like to hear the process behind the album. Absolutely. So yeah, we've been a band for seven years, all nine of us. Um, We're best friends. We all went to music college together. So it's really easy to communicate and make sure we all get to where we need to be in regards to rehearsals and shows and all that jazz. Um, And I've been a musician, professional musician, basically for 17 years. So um, a lot of the skills I bring into managing the band and making sure that our music is getting out there and uh, yeah, it was time to record an album, seven years in the making. I think we, uh, we it was time to get it done. So we went into uh, Ocean Floor Studios here in Halifax and, and recorded the album pr- primarily off of the floor, uh, kind of reminiscent of 60s, 70s off the floor recordings of soul and R&B music. And uh, the response has been amazing thus far. So <laughs> it's pretty exciting. And, you know, the music industry is largely male dominated. So how do you find navigating that um, because you're primarily a a women uh, consist of all women, is it not? No, so actually it consists of mostly men. Um, and oh, then interesting. Okay. I'm the lead of the band, so the lead singer, band leader, and I'm a female. And then my background vocalist is also a female. But I do all of the the marketing, social media, reaching out, getting gigs, all that jazz. So I it is female led and yeah, basically just, yeah, doing what I have to do, being strong within what I know and believe and working really extra hard to make sure that, uh, people know I mean business. That's kind of how I play it. (laughs) Tell me then about this album. What, uh, what inspired the music on it? Yes, so the album's basically a breakup album, um, but it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Kind of goes from, uh, flows from a breakup album lyric-wise into female empowerment, really, or empowerment of someone who's maybe um, searching for for love and not getting it back, maybe the way they give it out. Um, So yeah, I think the whole album is really, it just screams empowerment, I would say. So then, When I Had You Baby, the song we're going to play next... Where is that in this whole breakup process? Is this the song before, during, after? What are we what are we looking at here? I would say when I had you baby is kind of during the the breakup. So when I was growing up, my mother always said to me, never let a man rule your life or tell you who you are or change yourself. And uh, during the relationship that this album is kind of based upon, uh, I was doing exactly that. So the song kind of speaks on, well, my mother told me to do this, but here I am sitting here wondering, where'd you go? Why are you treating me like this? So um, now singing it, you know, seven years later, it's kind of speaking to the fact that I've moved on from that type of lifestyle and I don't allow people to treat me that way anymore Uh, so almost reminiscing on on how that's not a cool way to live really but it happens to to many of us right love can be a strange thing (laughs) indeed all right we're going to play this song next but first uh where can people uh find the album and connect with you and keep up with you Yes, so the album is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, to just to name a few. Um, you can buy this physical CD and, and vinyls here in Halifax, and if anyone wants to order some, I can always send them anywhere in the world, really, uh, at lindsaymeisner.com. That's M-I-S-I-N-E-R, because it's differently spelled than most Meisners. Um, but yeah, and on Instagram, social media, you can find me anywhere, and I'll always respond. 
All right, excellent. So we're going to put all those links uh, when this goes live on podcast as well so people can find it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lindsay. And we're going to close out the show with When I Had You Baby. Thanks for having me.
that's it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with my newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson wherever you listen to podcasts to catch past episodes and extended interviews. I'll be back next week with more What She Said. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.